What would it require to alter the economic and political systems of the various countries of Earth and create a unified system where all the affairs of the people are managed by a one-world government? Well, a good Hollywood budget is a reasonable answer. The trouble with the Hollywood movie is no one believes it. The suspension of disbelief is part of the show. Truth really is stranger than fiction when it comes to the Great Reset. You probably didn't know that we are already in the opening sequence and someone intends this to happen. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, Episode 121. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Hello folks, Dan Reed here, the Culinary Libertarian. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. And as it is, a happy new year. Welcome as some have said, to 2020.2. Michael Rechtenwald returns as my guest today. Michael returns to the show to discuss The Great Reset and a series of articles he's written about this, which are published on Mises.org. Michael has a Ph.D. in liberal studies and was last teaching at New York University. He is now retired. He has authored 11 books and, in 2019, authored over 100 articles. Michael was here last to discuss the Frankfurt School, cultural Marxism, and postmodernism in advance of the Liberty Classroom release of his course on that topic. Today, we are talking about how seemingly disparate efforts to eliminate fossil fuels, start universal basic income plans, and even wokeness all feed toward one main aim, the Great Reset. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. Well, thank you. I've invited you on to talk about a couple of essays you've written discussing the Great Reset. For people who follow mainstream news, this might be an unfamiliar phrase. I searched CNN and MSNBC for the term and found exactly zero matches. The absence of this term seems to put it in the fringe for most people, making it perhaps one of those, ooh, a conspiracy theory, and therefore easily dismissed. Now, I've read that the germ of the Great Reset can be traced at least as far back as Woodrow Wilson and the League of Nations. You've had a series. Sorry, you started a series of articles about the Great Reset, and I want to read a quote from the first article. You write, quote, The Great Reset means reduced incomes and carbon use. But Schwab and the WEF also define the Great Reset in terms of the convergence of economic, monetary, technological, medical, genomic, environmental, military, and governance systems. The Great Reset would involve vast transformations in each of these domains, changes which, according to Schwab, will not only alter our world, but also lead us to, quote, question what it means to be human, end quote. Now, just for people who don't know, Schwab is Klaus Schwab, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. That's ambitious. On my part or theirs? <laughs> on, uh, no, on their part. That's a, that's a big bite. Yeah, that is. Uh, so, so what they do is they, they, in some cases, Schwab and company describe what they think is going on and, and then they switch into prescription or, you know, telling what they think should go on. And they sort of volley back and forth between the two seamlessly. So it's hard to tell where they're saying these things should be done and where they're saying these things are being done uh, or will be done and that they're inevitable. So in a way, they're trying to make policy based on what they see as uh, probable. And uh, also they're trying to make things more probable. And so there's a kind of, I would say, a conflation of the two 
uh, on the part of uh, the writers of this, these tomes, uh, these great reset books and essays. You know, for people who don't really pay attention to history, especially 100-year-old history, and that would probably be everybody in American schools, if you read through it, on the surface it sounds, hey, you know, this this kind of sounds nice. Everybody gets stuff and everything's, there's no issues, there's no stress. And then you, but if you just stop there, it looks fine until you think about it for a minute. Well, how, you know, they talk in words like, you know, we, we, we have the plan or, you know, our vision of this. And then you have to think, why is your vision the better one? Not you, but I mean, these people who are doing this. Right. So. Uh, they they really do believe that they have a position that uh, you know that they have been advocating for some time. This great reset is not new. Uh, it's you know maybe decades old in effect. In fact, and uh, but now they see the opportunity for enacting it with the COVID crisis, and COVID has presented them with a new lease on this uh, project which, you know, I want to say from the outset is not a fait accompli. This is not a done deal. This is something that they are trying to enact by virtue of getting states and corporations to sign on to it. And they are managing to get a lot of corporate partners involved. And they are also penetrating states, as far as we can tell in terms of the rhetoric coming out of the mouths of different state leaders like Trudeau and uh future leaders such as Biden. Um, we see the same rhetoric that the, that the great resetters are using, being used by the, those state actors. And then they do list a whole slew of court, corporate partners who are already on board with this. And this would be what they're calling about uh, a new kind of capitalism, a new uh, stakeholder capitalism as opposed to shareholder capitalism, which is what they're trying to implement on the, that's the upper level description of what they're trying to do. They're trying to say that there is got to be a change in capitalism uh, and the COVID crisis presents an opportunity, quote unquote, that we must quote unquote seize in order to bring it about. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, well, aggressive language in some of the, in many of the, of the things that they write, and I read, I saw a post on Facebook for whatever the value is of that, that Spain is either considering or is already doing COVID passports, vaccination passports, right. and the the willingness of states and countries to just get on board with this is, well, frankly, I find it alarming. Yeah, it's a very alarming prospect. Uh, medical passports is definitely one of the things that uh, the WEF is promoting. And even they go much further than this, using AI and other technologies, not only to determine uh, whether people, what people should be allowed to do, or what, but also what they might do in the future and therefore to preempt their actions on that basis. Uh, yeah, I read something either he wrote or somebody else wrote where there it's it's almost like that um, Tom Cruise movie where they're predicting you know, predicting your behavior before you do it. Yes. They, Schwab has said uh, in, uh, I think, either in the COVID-19, the Great Reset, or the Fourth Industrial Revolution, that uh, they would use brain scans to determine what you might be thinking in order to determine whether you should be allowed to travel at that time or whether you're, you should be apprehended in effect. Uh, so um, th that's why it's a, it's a convergence of technology, uh, economics, uh, political, political ideology, uh, genomics, uh, um, medical science, uh, and what else do I list there? Oh, uh, but da -da, where did it go? Uh, medical, genomic, environmental, military, governance, technological, economic, monetary. I think you've got it all. 
Yeah, monetary too. Yeah, monetary policy. Uh, digital currency was probably one of the elements they have promoted. It is one of the elements they promote is digital currency, which would mean um, centralized, more centralized banking, banking that becomes perhaps centralized on a global basis. Uh, negative uh, interest rates such that if you don't spend the money in your account, your money will be dropping in value so that you are being basically strongly encouraged to spend what you get. And that getting could come through universal basic income for a, ma for a major uh, portion of the population, basically because they will attempt to drive all production to these shareholder enlisted capitalists, corporate capitalists, and to drive it away from all other producers who are not on board. Uh, and that they would maybe institute enough regulations to make it impossible for small to mid-sized businesses to compete. And only major corporations will be able to meet the regulatory requirements necessary to operate. These are some of the things that are being um, floated. Uh, what, what I argue is that it would lead to a kind of neo-feudalism, uh, kind of oligarchic corporate uh, governmental uh, elite on top and a kind of uh, feudal uh, surf without uh, any business possibilities or income uh, increasing uh, opportunities uh, and or uh, freedom on the bottom. You mentioned the uh, Schwab piece, the um, fourth industrial revolution, and that was written by him in January of 2016. And I have a quote from that, which reads, quote, like the revolutions that preceded it, the fourth industrial revolution has the potential to raise global income levels and improve the quality of life for populations around the world, end quote. Now, that sounds great. Who wouldn't want that? Yes. Now, of course, you can't answer for him, but what? what's the downside to that? Because I know we can't trust him. Well, so the downside is that this, when he uses the term global incomes, they're talking about leveling the incomes across the globe. Except not for people like him. <laughs> right. Not for people like him. This would be kind of a leveling of economic status globally. And uh, to do so will require reducing uh, economic income and status for a great many, because there is no other reason why they would in, uh, advocate a universal basic income unless there was going to be a great diminishment of entrepreneurial possibilities for a vast majority and business opportunities. Um, because these business opportunities would be made impossible by virtue of the regulatory requirements, but also uh, the COVID response in the immediate sense uh, that will drive people just out of business. And so you can see the dovetailing of the COVID response with this agenda. Uh, the foundation for economic uh, equality or education with that education education fee has suggested that you know uh, by the time this first wave of COVID response is over uh, we'll have lost 50% of businesses small businesses in the United States alone and we can see these, the, the businesses being driven into you know into the ground by the COVID response so far. So the numbers could probably get up higher so that we'd lose maybe 75 to 80% of small businesses in five years if this continues. Uh, and they see it, you know, Schwab says there's no reason and there shouldn't be any reason to expect anything to go back to a pre-COVID normal, that we'll be living in a different post-COVID normal for he from he here on. Nothing will go back to anything like it was before. And um, if they have their way, that would be the case. And so why would the COVID represent an opportunity unless, in fact, the kind of policies that are being implemented under the 
under the COVID response are the kinds of policies that they see as good and necessary for the Great Reset. It seems that if given that they they have apparently the the means and the ability to do this, in institutions like the U.S. Congress are just useful idiots. Well, they could be. Yes, um, they'll just be effectively having this legislation introduced uh, from the House, and then you know if the if the Senate goes Democratic then they'll have it passed over to the Senate and then it'll be enacted and rubber stamped by the executive. Um, and so these things could very well be coming down. And you see the same language and rhetoric being used by Biden. He's picking up the rhetoric of the World Economic Forum and using it all the time. In fact, building back better comes from the World Economic Forum. Uh, and it's also not limited to the usage in the United States. Trudeau uses the same phrase. Other leaders have used the same phrase, build back better. This means building back from the pandemic in order to create a different world uh, on the other end, not the one to, to re, we're not going to return to the pre-pandemic reality. Uh, you mentioned that you think this may go back 30 or 40 years, perhaps longer than that. Uh, a fellow named Anthony P. Mueller wrote an article called The United Nations and the Origins of the Great Reset. And frankly, it reads like a horror story. The level of evil is amazing. It's horrible, but it's amazing. Mueller quotes a name astute readers will recognize, Julian Huxley. Yeah. And he writes from him, quote, to achieve the desired evolutionary progress, quote unquote, of mankind, the first steps uh, pardon me, the first step must be to stress the ultimate need for world political unity and familiarize all peoples with the implications of the transfer of full sovereignty from separate nations to a world organization, end quote. Now, it's beyond this episode to delve into that part and certainly everything in his article, but that is, if people aren't chilled by that, right. well, I don't know what's going to chill them. I don't know what else to do. Uh, Martin Armstrong, in his piece, called it, a, called it domestic violence. And that's really what it feels like. It feels like, we're, feels like we're beating beaten up. Yes, definitely. We're being abused. And uh, the, what, the, what the COVID crisis represents in this perspective is a kind of test a, a sort of uh, test case to see just what and how complicit the population would be under such circumstances. And it looks to them to be quite promising. Klaus uh, Schwab has even said that he was very, uh, very much pleased by the way uh, mask adoption and lockdown, lockdowns have been accepted around the world. Uh, so this uh, COVID response is uh, just, and the response of the population to the governmental responses looks really peachy to him. Uh, it looks like the people are willing to, uh, are willing or at least afraid not to adopt and adapt to this great new normal that they're talking about. For reasons that escape me, I think a great many people are willing to accept that the government has their own best interest at heart, and so if they said to do it, then go ahead and do it. But I don't know where this optimism comes from. No, and there's also a kind of uh, there's a kind of bribe being offered uh, to uh, the population. One of them is that you would have in exchange for a propertyless future, which the World Economic Forum announces prominently as an object or a goal for 20 by 2030, in exchange for a future without property, you would have no debt and all your debt would be forgiven. And also, but part of the exchange would also mean uh, being uh, willing to uh, vaunt a medical passport to stay current on any vaccines uh, to effectively continue with any sort of uh, regime implementation 
that they expect you will sign away your life in order to get out of debt. That's really what the, the is on offer here. That's that's a devil's bargain for sure, because that's not there's no part of that is a deal for right. you. I'd rather keep my debt or just uh you know you know, just uh re, you know, basically default on it than to be to sign away all freedom uh in exchange for debt relief, which is really what the sort of offer sort of offering is that you but you will have freedom only if you sign away your life. According to them, basically, you have to uh, abide by these precepts or you won't be able to travel. You won't be able to uh, have free speech in the public square. You won't be able to do anything unless you subscribe. So it's a threat and it's a promise at the same time. Um, they're threatening and they're promising. Uh, basically, if you don't do it, you, you will have no freedom. You will have no mobility. You will have no freedom of association. You will have no religious freedom. You will have no freedom of association or any other kinds of freedoms that we have expected, uh, at least in the United States and elsewhere. These will be foregone. These will be completely eradicated if you don't subscribe. So it's kind of like damned if you do and damned if you don't. And so there's the reason why you use the word evil. Evil is giving somebody a bargain that really is no bargain, and giving them a choice that is no choice. This is uh, totalitarian. You would think that of all the brains involved in this, that one of them is Pratt the History Book. Because some of these spans have a long period of duration, but they don't work out well. And... They're, it seems like they're just really committed to making an underground, a black market and an underground right. for the things that they prefer not to see. It would seem so, yeah. To the extent that a black market could, 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 could persist under a digital currency because all of the, if you have a digital currency and centralized banking, uh, completely centralized banking, then every exchange can be regulated, in effect. Every exchange will be known. And so black market producers and sellers might be out of the picture in the first place uh, because they won't be permitted to accept digital currency or, or perhaps because the buyers will not be permitted to uh, participate in a black market. So the black market could be foreclosed in advance. <laughs> Now, the, the Schwab article I mentioned that he wrote in, uh, a few years ago, it reads to me like something that Kropotkin would have written. Now, I mentioned at the opening of the show, your last visit, where we discussed the Frankfurt School, postmodernism, and cultural Marxism. Right. Are there shared threads between those ideas and the Great Reset beyond the central planner? Oh, I think that those, those uh, movements have been sort of cultivating the soil on which this was, is intended to grow. Um, the whole cultural Marxist uh, agenda has been, uh, is being now recuperated by this Great Reset group as a, a kind of, as something that has prepared the population or a good proportion of them to go along with the socialist agenda that is on the table here. This kind of socialism is what I call corporate socialism with corporate oligarchs on top and everybody else in a sort of feudal serf position below. Um, this so it looks to me like cultural Marxism and postmodern theory, uh, because postmodern theory really dovetails into the transhuman aspect of the Great Reset it looks to me like these two have been, and others, and the whole woke culture is, is part and parcel of an ideological preparation for this. As fancy as it's getting with electronics and corporate socialism, if you read carefully to it, it still looks like the same old Marxism, class envy and the polarization of labor versus investor. It just looks like Marx on steroids. What's different? What's different is that 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 there is no overthrow of capitalism per se. It's just a kind of a socialism only on the ground, 
uh, only for the masses, whereas there's capitalist corporations still in power and still gaining, uh, not so much in power, I'm sorry, but now put in power and in connection with the state, a collusion between state actors that looks more like fascism than it does standard class socialism. But I don't want to call it fascism, as some people have suggested I should, because they're not using fascist rhetoric or ideology in order to promote it. They're using the old-fashioned socialist ideology, fairness, equality, equity, shared destiny, common good, things like this. These are not the terms of fascism. Fascism was was a nationalist at base. Uh, So they're using uh, a global socialist rhetoric and ideology in place of fascist ideology, but establishing the economic fascism that the fascists aim to achieve, except on a global scale. How else can I put it? Well, I don't know. I think that's probably as close to, as, as intelligible as it is possible to say. You know, but I'm just thinking, what are the challenges in explaining this? And it's because so many of the terms to describe either ideologies or economic systems come with a set of baggage and right. personal interpretations, it's really hard to be plain. So you said it's capitalism, and I know what you mean, but I know that there are people who are going to object to that, have their own thing about that. So I'm thinking there's this a good Gary Chartier piece which says, okay, well, what does capitalism really mean? And it can be crony capitalism. It can be governments giving favor to certain, which is kind of splitting hairs on those two, or we can get closer to what we mean by voluntary exchange or markets. Yeah, this and, has nothing to do with free markets. This is the cronyism to the, to the max. Like it is cronyism to the exclusion of free markets. Um, so yes, I use the term capitalism with all its baggage and, uh, filthy connotation because that's the way leftists would talk about uh, capitalism as this, they don't distinguish between cronyism and free market capitalism. Oh, for the left capitalism is an epithet. Right. So it's the epithetic use of it that I'm going with because, then maybe, just maybe, some leftists will wake up to what we're talking about here uh, and they'll reject it as well. Otherwise, we're left in a kind of silo of libertarians and right-wing people who will reject it on other grounds rather than that it's capitalism plus socialism combined. That's really what it is. It's capitalism and socialism simultaneously. They're, it's a mind screw uh, of the of the fifth degree. I mean, they're going to implement, the aim is to implement a kind of system that's a hybrid, a kind of amalgamation between the two that'll please both the capitalist class at the top and the socialist uh, bedwetters at the bottom, for lack of a better term. (laughs) It's a good term. You mentioned Biden, and I'm pretty sure the whole world knows that the U.S. recently had an election. There's a lot of talk when you read, when you find stuff about the Great Reset, you find out things like UNESCO and the UN and the WEF and central banks and universities and news media and corporations. And this is the point where the skeptic says, yeah, too much. I I can't, this is, it sounds absurd. It sounds like a movie. It sounds like a Mel Gibson movie. So it seems impossible for so many entities to be working together toward this goal. So how are all these entities working together toward the same goal? It seems amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's it's because corporate socialism works to uh, work. The, corporate socialism works to appease both the anti-capitalist contingent and the oligarchical crony capitalist contingent simultaneously. So that's why the left leftism has been so heavily promoted all this time. Why leftism has been promoted through me, mass media, the legacy media, the social media. Uh, the internet, Google, and all these other massive uh, would-be monopolists 
why they have been promoting leftist ideology to the exclusion of everything else, why they've been censoring, why they've been deleting, why they've been blacklisting, why they've been why they've been gulagging in effect, everybody but the left, and why they've been promoting leftism all this time. It makes perfect sense now, if this is the case, that they're in on this this corporate socialist agenda, which is the Great Reset. You know, since we're just still sort of in the Christmas season as of this recording, and this will come out next year, uh, which is kind of funny to say, uh, the very popular Christmas film, Die Hard, ends at the end with the act, the character Holly Gennaro saying, all this was from money? And that's all I can think of, that all of this is being done just for electronic digits. Is is is, is that really it? I don't think so. Um, I do believe that they have bought into some of their own propaganda, uh, that it's not simply some cynical ploy to bring to, to you know to create near monopolies uh, and to destroy all competition. Although that's definitely part of the agenda. Uh, I think it is that they actually believe that global warming is this uh, existential crisis and that population must be diminished in order to avert it, and that um, there this ex- these existential crises have to be addressed where their own well-being and welfare is at risk. So they're saying, let's take over the controls altogether of production and distribution and so forth in order to avert this disaster. I actually believe they believe this. That's, that's, that's some hubris. Yeah. Uh, I want, because there's just so much information about this, I'm going to just, I'm going to try something a little bit different. I'm going to do kind of a little bit of a lightning round of sorts. Uh, I just want to say a phrase and a couple of them we've talked about, but we haven't really, and you haven't got to go, you can go as long as you want, but um, just to give the listeners some intellectual ammunition to recognize that when they hear these things, this is all tied together, uh, like the Build Back Better. This is all part of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, transhumanism. Yes. Transhumanism is definitely a piece of all this. And this is really the emergence, the, the merging of uh, machine and human uh, capabilities. And this being held out as a promise to uh, the transhumanist community and others that this will be a means of overcoming death and uh, furthermore, uh, instant knowledge uh, acquisition through having being connected to the internet immediately through our own brains rather than through some sort of a device. This kind of world knowledge will be available at the at the link of a neuron and that um, you will have these capabilities. But this is, I think, been a lost leader. Transhumanism is a lost leader. That is, it's a it's a it's a dummy that's being floated as a promise and then will be involved in a bait and switch routine. In effect, it'll be it will not they're not going to if these people have all this power that they assume they have, they're not going to allow uh, for the masses to have light, eternal life based on transhumanism. They're not going to allow uh, us to have, you know, total knowledge based on transhumanism. That what they're going to do is con- use it as a means of control, and um, therefore transhumanism is a bait and switch routine and what they're doing is what what they would do is instead use these technologies to control the population in ways hitherto unimagined that is to say track trace uh even input thoughts as a, and as well as gleaning your mental states from your brain directly and and also your genetic makeup your disease states, and all these things at once uh, by implants, by brain scans, and, t- and so on and so forth. 
I never saw it, but there was a Cannell Reeves movie with something to that effect with the chip put in his head. Yeah. And chips have been, this is being floated by, um, uh, by, uh, what's the Tesla's founder uh, name? I can't see Elon, Elon Musk, uh, for a while now. And, uh, he said that this is a very likely possibility and I've been reading into AI and, you know, my novel thought criminals premised on this possibility that they would be able to take nanobots and have them attach themselves to the neurons of the neocortex and conduct information flows directly to the internet or what, uh, what is now called the internet, uh, which would be, could be a centralized data processing and database system. Eugenics. Well, eugenics is the, of course, this is the breeding uh, towards uh, better people, so to speak. But really, it also means the disappearance of non-genetically uh, fit varieties. And uh, therefore, it could amount to a kind of uh, high-tech birth control and or um, a death uh, a, a, a death prospect for non-genetically fit individuals which they will have a way of determining based on reading their genetic makeup so you shouldn't reproduce because xyz gene so forth and so on and so you know some people go so far as to say the vaccine will have uh, sterilizing effects and they even warn about that they've actually told people to freeze their sperm so uh, it's not that far-fetched to suggest that this iteration of the vaccine or future iterations could be used for genetic eugenics eugenesis purposes or other types of uh, other types of injections or implants might be used for eugenesis purposes to stop reproduction uh hopefully not to kill anyone directly but to at least control reproduction well if you have exchanged your sovereignty for a clean credit score, but pretty much they can do what you want. Right. right? Exactly. I mean, that one would think. Uh, social credit scores. Oh, well, yeah. As as your listeners must know, this is uh, already active in China. And by the way, just as an aside, I think China is the model for all this, uh, for the whole Great Reset. It's not, it's, it's a force in its own right, but it's also a model for the globalists' agenda. Social credit scores will be implemented vis-a-vis and as uh, using vis-a-vis medical passports using the COVID variety virus and other mutations of the virus as a pretext in order to track, trace, and uh, forbid people from traveling and so on and so forth. Just as in, it's used in China in, in connection with uh, smart city surveillance and uh, 5G-enabled uh, smart city uh technology private property slash self-ownership yeah i mean i've already mentioned that the this is on the table for being lopped off for most people that they'll they'll be offered a, a basic deal where they'll surrender not only their personal property now but the future possibilities of having it in exchange for debt relief and then also whatever they, what, what whatever other, they want to do to you. What other whatever other contingencies they put on that deal? Yeah, right. Decade of action. Decade of action. Yeah, yeah. That's twenty twenty to twenty thirty. That's the decade in which this is supposedly going to be undertaken and completed by twenty thirty. Twenty thirty is the target date for the reset to be in full play. Now, in, in the reading I was doing, and I can't remember where I came across it, but there was a suggestion that a lot of this was going to come about because of COVID-19, which you've discussed. And then this author listed COVID-21. And I said, well, now that's interesting. How do they know that? Exactly. You can, you can expect COVID-21, uh, possibly 21.5, you know, any number of iterations of COVID, if this is if this is really on the agenda, you can expect that we're not done and we're going to be living in a, vac- a viral uh, hellhole for the remainder of the foreseeable future. That any number of mutations are going to be identified and used as a pretext to continue the lockdown uh, 
and the instrumental instrumentalization of medicine uh, for um, control purposes into the foreseeable future if this is uh, successfully undertaken. And then, so the last one is wokeness. Yeah, wokeness is uh, part of the ideology that um, feeds into this by virtue of uh, conditioning the public to be uh, willing to abnegate their own rights and property and expectations because they have gained them, so to speak, according to wokeness, uh, on uh completely uh, illegitimate terms, that they have been privileged to this point, that their privilege needs to be revoked, and that they need to be leveled with those who haven't had these privileges. So wokeness, I think, is an ideological component in order to condition the public to accepting their own own, uh, illegitimacy as holders of property, as holders of rights, and so forth, to to make them, you know, basically uh, willingly abdicate what they have been told is based, based on privilege alone and not on anything that they've merited. And then you go back and listen to Schwab's words about everyone being the same, and you start to think, well, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe we're not going to be the same like Gene Simmons, maybe we'd be the same like the homeless guy in the corner. Equality, exactly. Equality is the watchword. And of course, this equality only applies to the vast majority. It doesn't apply to these global oligarchical planners and governmental institutors of the Great Reset. It applies to the vast majority who will be equal, quote unquote, equally whatever, equally miserable, equally uh, living on basic universal income, equally, you know, equalized. to the extent that they can equalize us. Of course, it's held out. uh, This is the use of uh, socialist rhetoric, and this is why so much of the left will probably buy into this, because they'll see it as a means of achieving this vaunted and hoped for, ever sought after economic equality that they always talk about. He said probably don't really think that it applies to them. Yes, they, they, they don't care that it won't apply to these oligarchs, you know. And that that's an interesting phenomenon about the left is they don't mind monopolies or near monopolies or would-be monopolies. In fact, they like big, 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 big business. I don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons for this that some of them they claim that big business treats workers better anyway, blah, blah, blah. They give better benefits. They give, they allow for unionization. They... They are always been better to the workers than small business. So the left has always hated small business. And see, we, we're wiping them out, so that's good. And then they'll hold off for the future when they'll overthrow capitalism. And that'll be, of course, uh, you know, some on some horizon that we'll never reach. So they'll welcome the intermediary stages, which are actually the end stages. Is the Great Reset the end or the means to a different end? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, It's the end of uh, some things. It's the end of all these things we've discussed. And it it is uh, the means of getting to an end that that is being sought. Um, it uh, It is the switch that they would like to throw. They actually figure this as a button that will be pushed, literally, they they graphically illustrate it as a button to be pushed in order to bring this about. Of course, it isn't a button to be pushed. There's no magic that can make this happen. It requires propaganda. It requires complicity. It requires, on the part of the vast majority, it requires coordination. It requires people, you know, corporations and governments, stakeholders buying into it. Uh, it requires a lot of coordination and requires a lot of phenomenon coming together, but they actually believe they can get this kind of coordination and uh, complicity and so forth. And so they see it as a button to be pushed, but really, you know, really when it comes down to it, this is right now, this is a propaganda campaign. We're being propagandized about this. Whether we're being propagandized about it directly or indirectly is, you know, 
debatable. I think it's indirectly because they're not going to say, hey, listen, this great reset would be, uh, this great reset is, um, well, they are saying it. Forget it. They're actually promoting it directly. They're not trying to hide it. They're actually promoting it blatantly. So it's not a conspiracy theory. This is a conspiracy fact or a fact that there are conspiracists who are attempting to do this. Some of them much more plainly than others. Right. Some more plainly than others. It'll be less, it'll, the, the rhetoric and, and so forth will be mitigated in the, in the United States for various reasons, largely having to do with our, our history, our, our the legacy of uh, the value placed on liberty and so forth. And the, of course, also the degree to which we have resistance uh, in the uh, what will they call the the deviationists or the uh, resi- resistors in the vaccine resistors in the far right, as they'll th- call them. Anybody that doesn't go along with this will be deemed far right. Um, so, um, in the United States, the rhetoric is slightly it's slightly inflected by uh, different rhetoric, but it's still looking at the end as the same. Um, in other words, they're not going to say, look, we're, we're going to implement world global socialism here, but they will talk about equality and they'll use the principle of equality de jure by law, the quality of standing that each citizen has in the United States. And they'll use that and slippery slide it into economic equality which is, you know, this new corporate socialist economic equality for the vast majority. I want to see if we can find something positive to take away from this. (laughs) But first, let's take a moment out for a word from Jake from his Tasting Anarchy podcast. Hey, everyone. Jake here, host of the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Join my co-host Mason and I each week as we explore the world of wine and alcohol through a liberty lens. You can find us on all your major podcatchers, tastinganarchy.com or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Find out how much government is in your drink. This idea of a one-world government, social credits, digital currency, loss of private property and sovereignty is very depressing. Just reading the things I did to prepare for this made me feel cold and alone. Now, I don't actually know, Michael, how you do it. <laughs> it, it feels like the Mighty Python bit in the Holy Grail where the peasant tells the king, I didn't vote for you. Well, I didn't vote for this. I want to read a passage from a letter written to President Trump by Carlo Maria Vigiano, and I apologize if I butchered his last name, which was written in October 2020, and he writes, quote, This great reset is destined to fail because those who planned it do not understand that there are still people ready to take to the streets to defend their rights, to protect their loved ones, to give a future to their children and grandchildren. The leveling inhumanity of the globalist project will shatter miserably in the face of the firm and courageous opposition of the children of light, end quote. That sounds hopeful. Yes, I mean, that's, uh, that's a hopeful uh, prognosis. And uh, I do think that the United States in particular is the last bastion here. And and that is that, that we have a long history and tradition of liberal, classical liberal values. Uh, that we have, we hold on to liberty and uh, our rights with much more uh, uh, tenacity than, say, in some countries that have been conditioned to accept uh, collectivism. And we also are not in the same position that, say, the Russians or the Chinese were before the communist revolutions there uh, because of this history and this and, and the Constitution and Bill of Rights. So this could be the place where the actual battle takes place. 
Um, and uh, some people figure it in terms of the immediate political context with the uh, with the Biden election and the Trump resistance to the to the election, um, that this is they see this particular moment as the turning point, the last stand, and um, that's a I can see it as a plausible way of understanding it, and I can say that the globalists have looked at Trump as just a speed bump on the way to the Great Reset. He's just a speed bump, and he's out of the way, and now we'll march forward full speed ahead, but they are discounting if it's there, if we do have these courageous, valorous individualists remaining, then they will have made a miscalculation. Now, the uh, FBI negotiator, Christopher Voss, in nearly every interview he has given that I've seen, makes a very interesting point, and that is when you are negotiating with somebody, it isn't like a chessboard where you move a piece and that your counterpart moves another piece. Every piece on the chessboard in a negotiation is connected to every other piece. So when you move one piece, all the other pieces move too. And that seems to be what's missing in the globalist's calculation is they seem to think that this is a static scenario. They move and we don't. Right. But that's, and that may be their undoing, is that they failed to comprehend, they failed to consider that there are people who don't want this. There are people who resist this. And as they build this thing that they're creating, they're also building the resistance for it. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there will definitely be, they're, they're going to create a you know um they're going to create its own opposite by virtue of its itself they're going to create its 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 opposite and that i'm not going to go into hegelian dialectics here <laughs> but um it does seem to be that there will be a antithesis to this and that the question is whether this antithesis will have the force necessary to resist it We'll have the ability to resist it. We'll have the foresight. See, this is why I'm going out on a limb with my entire reputation on this stuff. Because I could be perfectly wrong. I could be completely paranoid. But I'd rather be perfectly perfectly wrong and paranoid than just sitting back and watching it happen and then waiting until it's too late to say or do anything about it. That's the reason why I've spoken up and written about this now. Because I don't want to be that person who stood by and watched it take place until my hands were tied behind my back and I could no longer speak and I could no longer act. I'm willing to risk what is, you know, whatever my reputation might be, whatever my credibility as a scholar, whatever I have uh, gained in, you know, credibility in order to pre preempt this possibility. Well, and you mentioned that in the end of your second article. So tell us what is, I'm going to say your prescription, perhaps that's the wrong phrase, but what do you see as our way to take a stand against this? Well, I'd, I'd like to refer, if I might, to the figure that I use in my recent novel, Thought Criminal. We have to create a networks of thought deviationists, of people who will not accept this collectivist ethos that will not accept this and that we have to continue to create and build these networks uh, through podcasts like your own through associations of like-minded people not collection not collectivities in themselves not collectivists as such not leftist not adopting leftist polit political tactics uh, which is just to turn into a mob but rather to continue to articulate our individual selfhoods as against this con contagion that is really being uh, unleashed uh, upon us. So my, my, my idea is to continue to build networks of individuals who will not abide. And then those associations have to help protect the individuals in them. They have to do something for the individual. They have to be for the individuals in them, first and foremost, so that we don't create 
another global mob in replacement of the global mob they're trying to make us into. Hmm. Two things before we go. First, mention your new book again, which you just talked about, and then steer us to some resources for accurate information, since there isn't much, to easily find about The Great Reset. Well, my new novel is called Thought Criminal, and uh, it's it's placed in a future setting in which uh, there's this entity called Collective Mind, and Collective Mind is a overarching database and processing system that basically is used to completely gain all knowledge over everything existing in the social world and beyond control thinking vis-a-vis nanobots and uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, The uh, way to stay abreast of this is actually going to be to read everything, not just what I've written, but everything you can find, including conspiracy theories, what you might deem otherwise to be conspiracy oriented. Because as I said, it's more dangerous to neglect this than it is to be buying into uh, irrational, even embellished or exaggerated versions of it. Uh, it's better to read and weigh all the evidence you can find rather than to dismiss anything offhand, because the future could depend on whether we get this right, whether we read it right and oppose it properly. Now, your your statement, read everything, no matter what it is, and then figure out what you want to exclude, reminds me of your uh, friend and perhaps co-worker at the time, of Mark Crispin Miller. Yes. Just devour everything. Mark Crispin Miller has the same exact ethos. He's he says you should, you know, the, the truly scientific method is, is skeptical, but it is not, it doesn't dismiss possibilities out of hand uh, that you must read and learn and investigate in order to get at an adequate understanding and theory of the phenomena that you're looking at and not to dismiss theories out of hand not to dismiss different conclusions in advance so that you might not, so that you don't miss possibilities that are, might seem otherwise outlandish because there've been other outlandish things that have turned out to be the case. Uh, And, you know, I'm I'm also, I would even say, you know, you know, don't, don't shy away from those sources that you have been trained or indoctrinated or habituated were conditioned to deem as ridiculous from the outset. Well, that sounds like pretty good advice. So, oh, wait, here's my Columbo moment. Sorry, sir, one more thing. Yeah. How can people follow you? Uh, everything is on michaelrechtenwald.com. Michaelrechtenwald, R-E-C-T-E-N-W-A-L-D.com. You get links to all my books. You can buy my books directly from me or from Amazon. Uh, you can read my articles. I have another one coming out on the Great Reset on Friday. Um, that That's Friday the 1st of January. So uh, that'll be after this broadcast. It'll already have been out. Uh, and uh, so keep track of me at michaelrechtenwald.com. Very good. Well, I will put the links to the articles we talked about, your website, the link to uh, your, your your fiction book on the show notes page, which is culinarylibertarian.com slash 121. Wonderful. Michael, thank you for your time today. I know, you know <laughs> you're stacked up like cordwood, yeah. but go go grab something to eat. I know it's late, but thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. My, my pleasure, man. All right, folks, that's going to do it. I'm going to add links to articles I mentioned, including Michael's three on The Great Reset, to the show notes page. I will also add the link to Michael's Liberty Classroom course I mentioned. Those will be linked on the show notes page, colonnadelibertarian.com slash 121. A new year means new goals. Uncluttering the mess of 2020 is one good way to start. Use my affiliate link to sign up for the Conquer Your Clutter Super Bundle webinar. The bundle goes on sale January 11th, but you can sign up now to get an email notification when the bundle opens for sale 
and also how to watch the webinar and learn more. Register at com slash unclutter. Please share this episode to your friends on social media. And when you see it on social media, give that a like. Also, please like the show on your favorite podcatcher and give a rating and a review as well. Have a great first week of 2021, and I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.